Hello everyone, this is Gerald Salenti, and we have a special guest with us today, Russell Bentley. And Russell, um, you're over there in Donbass, Ukraine, is that correct? That's right, I'm in the uh, center of the city of Donetsk, which is the capital of the Donetsk People's Republic, which used to be part of Ukraine and may well end up being the new capital of Ukraine here pretty soon. So that be, that's when they split away back in 2014 after the United States-led coup that overthrew the democratically elected government of Viktor Yanukovych. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Now, well, you, got, you don't have a Ukrainian accent over there. Where are you from originally? I was born in Texas, Austin, Texas, in 1960. Uh, grew up in Texas, lived in... Uh, Minnesota, Washington State, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Illinois. Traveled around quite a bit in my younger days. Um, but I came here in 2014 and I felt like I had finally found my home. And uh, this is, I'm a citizen of the DPR and of Russia now. And I'm married to a Ukrainian woman or Donbass woman. And uh, we're gonna spend the rest of our lives here. We got a little house with a big garden, apples, grapes, and a couple of cats. What kind of profession are you in? What kind of work did you do? Um, before I came here, uh, I was a salesman. Um, I've done a bunch of different things. I was a lumberjack. I was a marijuana smuggler for many years. Uh, made good money doing that, but ended up doing five years in prison for it, too. Uh, my family owned a restaurant down in uh, South Padre Island, Texas. I was the head waiter. I uh, had a good time doing that, like, you know, surfer, played in a rock and roll band. Uh, it was like a seven-year-long party, but I eventually got tired of that. Moved to Minneapolis, kind of got involved in politics then. I ran for uh, United States Senator in 1990 against uh, Rudy Boschwitz, the incumbent Republican, and uh, a young, uh, unknown Democrat named Paul Wellstone, who ended up becoming, you know, the greatest uh, U.S. Senator of modern history. And, uh, and he and I, we disagreed. I was running as an independent to legalize marijuana, but uh, we agreed on pretty much everything except that. And I was glad to see him win. He, did he then, die uh, in an airplane? Did he die in an airplane crash? He died in a very suspicious airplane crash right before, just weeks before the uh, election. Uh, not unlike Mel Carnahan. Um, and uh, he, he was, he was, expected he was highly uh, favored to win the election and just weeks before it in a private plane crash uh, under mysterious circumstances, uh, he died. So now, you know, I'm, we're only getting the news here. Well, we do get it from RT and, and some from Sputnik. And uh, as you may know, RT in the United States permanently closed down this week. And the only sides of the story we're getting here are that, you know, I could give you the headlines. Russia pounds Ukraine cities. Russia, Russians capture crucial Black Sea port bombing civilian targets. Russian assaults kill civilians in Ukraine. It's one after another that Russian, this is from, that was the Financial Times, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, 
And another one from, uh, this is the Wall Street Journal, Russia hammers civilian targets. So tell me what's going on there as you see it. Well, and what, you're, uh, as and I what see you're hearing. It, mm -hmm. uh, as I see it from on the ground here. In fact, I was at the front lines uh, for two days. Uh, I was I, I got back yesterday. Um, today I was working on a written article. Tomorrow I'm going back to the front. Um, so what I'm seeing is like what's happening. And I can tell you that uh, all those periodicals that you just uh, quoted from, you know, I have, you know, the, the greatest contempt for, you know, they uh, they they exactly personify prostitution. Um, you know, the only thing that you can do with any of those, particularly the New York Times, above all, is know that everything that they say is a lie. And I don't mean just like colored by a few degrees of difference of opinion, but 180 degrees of the truth. And those headlines right there are perfect examples. The Russian military against the Ukrainian military has the ability to 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 crush the entire Ukrainian army and take every square centimeter of Ukraine that they want in a matter of of days. The reason that it's going slow now is because unlike the shock and awe and the trademark collateral damage that we see with every U.S. and NATO invasion, um, the Russians really are being extremely careful uh, not to uh, harm civilians and not to uh, have damage to civilian infrastructure. So what's happening now is that Ukrainians are using civilians. They, they already know that they've lost this war. So they're using civilians as human shields. And, um, you know, and that is, I mean, that's, and so either the Russians can do what the U.S. and NATO does and just say, well, that's their tough luck and go in and flatten whole cities like they did in Fallujah, for example, or uh, Sarajevo, or they can uh, take their time and be careful, which is what they're doing. So when, when you see Russian smashes civilians, you know, that's not only a lie, it's the exact opposite, literally the exact opposite of the truth. Tell us about shock and awe. Well, I mean, you know, I was born in 1960. I grew up seeing all these uh, imperialist wars of the United States, starting with Vietnam. You know, look at what the United States did to, you know, the country of Vietnam. You know, they had zero right to be in for any reason. And, uh, you know, you look at all the, you know, the millions of civilian casualties, civilian infrastructure, not only that, but uh, the, you know, the ongoing damage of the chemical warfare that they used, the Agent Orange that they used. You know, same thing with depleted uranium in Iraq. You know, I mean, you can't, I mean, look at what they've done to Libya. Look what they're doing still to this day in Syria. You know, look what they did to Afghanistan and Iraq. And what, they're, what they've done to Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine, since the uh, coup d'etat, the Maidan coup that was backed by, uh, you know, U.S. State Department and Secret Services, you know, the quality of life have, of Ukraine has fallen off the cliff. You know, and that's and that is exactly the result and the intention, the intended result of what the United States did when they came in here and overthrew the government. They wanted to either make Ukraine into a NATO base directly on Russia's borders or else they wanted to make it a failed state like Somalia or what Libya is now. And uh, just have, you know, Mad Max chaos right on Russia's borders. 
You know, we wrote about this extensively. This is the Trends Journal back in the spring of 2014 with Victoria Newland from the Undersecretary of State on the phone with um, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Pyatt, Pyatt the ambassador. saying that we're going to bring Yatsin, Yatsinyuk, and the EU could go fuck themselves. We're going to do it. Uh -huh. And of course, what people don't understand was the deal is that, you know, Ukraine was going broke back then. And the deal was where they were going to borrow money from the international mafia, a monetary fund, and, uh, and they were going to join into the EU. And Putin came up with a better deal. And the better deal, that was no good. And that's when they overthrew Yanukovych. And of course... Victoria Newland was out there handing out cookies in Maiden Square. And um, John McCain, who uh, they call a hero in America. And I, I got you by uh, 14 years. So I was prime, prime Vietnam War era draft bait. And to me, John McCain should rot in hell. He was no hero. He was, he was no a guy hero. that was bombing and killing innocent people <clears throat> and bragged about it. And, and when he got captured, he was held in the Vietnamese prison and he was snitching out the fellow prisoners. That's right. And, and not only that, got... he was another daddy's boy. Guy crashed yeah, exactly. a number of planes on, on aircraft carriers that no one else would have, they would have gotten the guy the hell out of there. You're, you're... But no, no, his daddy was an admiral and his granddaddy. That's exactly right. You know, so as George Carlin used to say, it's one big club and you ain't in it. And going back to the, to the, to this, uh, to the overthrow and the murder and shock and awe and what they're doing in America, preparedness aided Ukraine installing foe. What they're saying is that the Ukrainians are fighting and they're stopping the Russians from coming in and they're heroes and what they also point out in chapter and verse are all of the military equipment coming in from Germany, from Denmark, from, from Holland, from the United States. So what they're doing is they're sending more armaments to keep this fight going that they're going to lose. That but they they're, know they're going to lose. But the American, so just, the American press is selling it like these are the greatest fighters on earth and they're going to beat the Russians. Well, can I tell you something interesting that happened today between these great fighters? Um, I'm sure you've heard of the Azov Battalion, the uh, genuine Heil Hitler neo-Nazi hardcore super special forces battalion of the, uh, of the Ukrainian army that uh, was... Uh, Finance founded by Igor Kolomoisky, the uh, Ukrainian oligarch, and has been trained by the U.S. Special Secret or U.S. Special Services and uh, British SAS, among others. Well, today, or rather last night, they had a little problem with the uh, Ukrainian military leadership in that they weren't going to uh, coordinate their actions with the Ukrainian army. They weren't going to take orders. A Ukrainian general came to their headquarters in southwest Mariupol and, you know, to straighten things out, 
and ended up getting murdered by the uh, wow. soldiers of the Azov Battalion. And shortly thereafter, uh, a Ukrainian army, not Russian, Ukrainian army, Torchka-U, which is the largest conventional missile that the Ukrainian army has, a thousand pounds of uh, TNT in the warhead, uh, landed on top of the Azov base, you know. So, you know, these great heroes are now killing each other, you know, in the streets. Perhaps you heard about the uh, brilliant move <clears throat> in Kiev where they handed out 18,000 uh, Kalashnikov assault rifles, real assault rifles, you know, full automatic. And uh, they handed them out to just anybody on the street that came up and wanted one. And they did that in the afternoon, maybe about four or five days ago. And it's been uh, the Wild West and Mad Max in Kiev ever since. I mean, and there's videos of, you know, whole cars of people. You know, it's like, uh, first of all, you know, all the banks and supermarkets are getting robbed right and left. Second of all, um, you know, all the scores between that neighbor that you didn't like. Oh, well, now I got AK-47 and I'm going to go straighten it out. Not only that, there's like uh, these um, self-defense units running around looking for Russian uh, saboteurs and stuff. And they're just shooting each other. I mean, they're slaughtering whole families of people. I mean, there was a whole, and, and this is not like rumors. There's absolutely multiple videos, dozens, if not scores of videos to back this up. There was a whole family with like three kids murdered because some idiot with AK-47 thought they were Russian spies because they were driving in a Jeep. You know, and there's video of the whole family laying on the street dead. You know, going back to John McCain, I, I lost my train of thought there. For oh, a sorry. There. No, no, that's mine. But um, and it's interesting what you're saying. Um, what was the name? Of, what's that, that Nazi group? That Anyway, going back to 2014, I mentioned Victoria Newland. He was over there with that, that Nazi group over there, that political Pravi party. Sector. What's it called? Pravi Sector, Right Sector. Yeah. They're the ones with the red and black flag, <clears throat> which was the flag of the uh, OUN, the organization of Ukrainian nationalists led by Stefan Bandera, who actually collaborated with the German Nazis during the German occupation of Ukraine in the Second World War. Yeah, and so that's who McCain. That they, what's that? That's who McCain was with when he went over there. Is exactly. that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's his name, baby? Turchinov? Was Turchinov. Yeah, he's the guy. I mean, there's him, like, you know, giving the Heil Hitler salute and all that. He's a real, genuine Nazi. All right, now, before this started, the, um, the Russians coming in, now, there were, I heard, you know, contrary reports that there were, oh, 100,000 uh, Ukrainian troops on the border of Donbass in, in that region. 150,000. 150,000. Against we, about 30 to 40,000 of our guys defending. Along the line that's been basically the contact line, for you know, since 2015. Now, was was there were they was there military action going on before this happened? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's so funny that you know all these uh, you know uh, crybabies saying, "Oh, the Russian invasion," and "Oh, the innocent civilians." This war didn't start last week. It started in 2014 in the summer 2014 with the anti-terrorist operation that was ordered by uh, Joe Biden to crush the protests and the resistance by any means necessary. They used heavy artillery, they used tanks, they used, you know, snipers, every terrorism effect that there was, aviation, um, you know, airstrikes, 
and they, uh, you know, they've been killed. They've killed like at least 16,000 people that are, you know, documented as dying already in this war uh, and which even the OSCE and the UN have both officially stated that 80% of the civilians that have been killed or wounded in this war have been on the Donbass Republic sides, killed and wounded by, you know, Ukrainian army shells and bullets. Now, with so these didn't start last week. So the but how about recently? Has there been an escalation between? Yes, there's been an extreme escalation, and I can tell you that uh, that what has just been published officially by the uh, Russian State Duma, which is the Russian Parliament, uh, information from the Russian GRU, which is Russian Military Intelligence, that the buildup over the last couple of months, which was massive. Uh, was in preparation of a uh, military offensive that was supposed to start along the entire Donbass front uh, on the early morning of February 23rd. And their plan was, which I predicted too, that they were gonna come, because in 2014 and 15, what the Ukrainian army did, they tried to go around the cities through the rural areas to, to seal the border, to block off the borders. And when they were out there in open country, uh, they were vulnerable to long range artillery, rocket artillery, and, you know, entire, entire battalions, you know, were annihilated, were completely, you know, not decimated, but disappeared. And so they understood that, the, that since Russia, they knew, and as Vladimir Putin specifically and directly said, that Russia would come in if the Ukrainians made a major assault against Donbass. They knew that if they could make it into the city centers, they would have, you know, when Donetsk, the city that I'm in right now, there's a million civilians here. And so they'd have the perfect human shield, which would uh, negate the effects of Russia's main military advantages, which would be uh, air superiority, uh, rocket, missile and artillery. Because and that's exactly what they're doing now is in all the cities that were where there's fighting. They're absolutely they're, the human shield is their main tactic right now of defense, and because the Russians have said that they're not going to they're going to be extra careful not to kill civilians, destroy infrastructure. But the, the Ukrainian plan was on the morning of February 23rd, which also happens to be a great uh, Russian national holiday called uh, the Day of the Defenders of the Fatherland, that pays respects to the Red Army that liberated. Russia and Europe from German Nazis in the Second World War and their plan and understand that nothing, absolutely nothing in the military, political, economic, social fear spheres happens in Ukraine, except on the direct orders of the United States, CIA, State Department, Biden. You know, I mean, I mean, absolutely nothing. I mean, if if the United States doesn't tell them to do it, they don't do it. And if the United States tells them to do it, they better do it. And they do. So this was the plan to make a massive assault, tremendous, horrendous civilian casualties, you know, and then beside, behind, you know, the main attack force comes the Einsatzgruppen, you know, these uh, Nazi battalions to start what they call cleansing operations. 
And they were in, in, I mean, when Putin said the other day, talking about genocide, it wasn't an, an, uh, an exaggeration or a hyperbole. It was exactly, he was talking about exactly what they were going to do. And the Russians started their operation a few hours before the schedule of the Ukrainian operation, which has saved, uh, literally saved hundreds of thousands of human lives. What's going on there now? Is there any um, warfare going on in the region where you are? Yes, uh, where where I live in Donetsk, you, you got to understand that the the front lines, the front combat lines of where of the city of Donetsk are basically the city limits. I'm basically right now in the center of the city, um, and less than ten miles from here is the front line. Is less than ten miles from here is the Ukrainian army, and uh, you know so that's within all kinds of uh, artillery range. It's within, uh, you know, missile range. You know, it's within, uh, you know, uh, death squad range. And they do have, you know, uh, saboteur reconnaissance, you know, guys with hit lists running around in the city right now, as they have the whole time, but they're especially active now. I mean, within uh, the hotel that I'm staying in right now in the center of the city, there were uh, heavy artillery, either 120 or 152 millimeter uh, artillery rounds impacting within 500 yards of, of this hotel yesterday. Uh, the, the part of the city that I live in, my wife and I have a house in, it's called Petrovsky District. It's much closer to the front. It's uh, one of the heaviest shelled areas in the city of Donetsk. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's shells falling there every day on civilian and military targets. I mean, with the, the, the there's still troops in that uh, Ukrainian troops, despite the Russians coming in. Yes, the Russians have at this point they have gone around the main bulk, the 150,000 troops that were here last week of the Ukrainian army on the city limits, and you know, I mean, and not just in Donetsk, but in the other major cities, Lugansk. Makievka, Gorlovka, Iznovata. I mean, they're on the city limits. And that 150,000 is now less, but the Russians have not yet, you know, significantly engaged those forces. Those forces are sitting there. They're watching to see what happens. Russia has come up from Crimea. They're uh, going towards Odessa. They're surrounding Mariupol, which is the coastal Azov Sea city where the Azov Battalion has its headquarters. Uh, you know, they're working around Kiev. Um, they've taken Kharkov and they're they're working on, uh, oh, excuse me, they've taken Kherson, which is down on the coast, and they're working on taking Kharkov and Kiev right now. I mean, do you understand that the main weapon that the Russians can use against this uh, concentration, you know, at its, at its height a few weeks ago, it was more than half of the entire... Ukrainian army was on the front lines here as they were preparing for this huge offensive. Um, now, some of those battalions and units have started to retreat. Uh, some of them are just sitting in place to see what happens. Um, but, you know, they're they're still shelling lightly, you know, on a daily basis, shooting at our troops that are defending the front. If they start to make that big offensive, you know, uh, it will be... Uh, it will be the rain of caliber missiles and grad rockets that will uh, that will you know leave nothing but smoke of, of, of those soldiers and their equipment.
Now, so they're sitting there right now to see what happens. Now, before this happened, I, again, I only know the news that we're getting on this side, was that um, the people from your area, a lot of them were leaving and going into Russia before there this happened. There was an evacuation uh, that was uh, started once, you know, once the, the Russians got the confirmation from their spies. And the Russians have, you know, had like literally up to the minute information about the military plans of the Ukrainian army this whole time. I mean, it's absolutely transparent to them. You know, they're penetrated in every way that they can be penetrated uh, by human intelligence, signal intelligence, electronic intelligence. You know, uh, they have their guys in the highest uh, echelons of the Ukrainian military. So they knew what was going on. And when they said, all right, they are planning this attack, it's gonna happen. They began an evacuation. And I think it was around 70,000 people from the Donbass republics uh, were evacuated into the Rostov region of Russia, which is just across the border. It's about 50 miles from, from here to the Russian border. Um, and that was uh, women and children and the elderly and the disabled were evacuated for free on buses, taken to free accommodations inside Russia, they were given 10,000 rubles, uh, you know, spending money or whatever. They're being fed every day. Um, any men that were between the ages of 18 and 55 that tried to go with them were not allowed to. They were kicked back and immediately sent to the draft board. And there's been a huge, uh, you know, conscription. And there are uh, many tens of thousands of new soldiers in the Donetsk People's Republic right now that, I mean, they... they they have uh, like roadblocks right now in the city and any, any, you know, when they stop cars with men in them and if you're in between that edge and you don't have a reason not to be in the army, you go to the, they say, park your car over there and get on this bus, dude, you're going wow. right now. Wow. Now, there are reports that I've read out of uh, Sputnik that Zelensky is in Poland. Have you heard about anything, anything of that? Um, you know, I got to tell you that I consider RT and Sputnik to be pretty much mainstream media. You know, the Russian variant, which is only slightly better than the American variant. I don't think, I mean, I don't think he's in Poland. And you know the reason why? I mean, I think he wishes, there was also uh, rumors a couple of weeks ago or a week ago about him being in Istanbul. But uh, I'm sure that uh, Erdogan uh, made the offer for him to come there but only so he could sell him to the Russians. You know, I mean, you talk about a weasel, man, that uh, Erdogan's about as slick and greasy as they get, man. But he wasn't, he wasn't in Istanbul. I don't think he's in Poland only for the reason that his United States masters won't let him go. Okay. They're going to make him stay here and, and take his medicine. All right. Now, what do you think the outcome is this going to be? What do you see this as the time period? Well, it's, I mean, the time period is difficult to estimate because there are, I mean, in every war and especially in this one, you know, there are many variables um, be, be, beyond which, you know, you know, even Vladimir Putin can see, you know, I mean, so, I mean, and he's, you know, he said in the same thing too, a couple of days ago, he said, I, no one can know how this is going to end up. And I mean, my personal opinion, and I can't say how long it's going to take, but I think 
that, you know, uh, a couple of months is probably if things continue to go as they have gone so far, uh, which is pretty much according to plan, although with some, you know, setbacks and difficulties that uh, within a couple of months, the Ukrainian military organization and capabilities will cease to exist. Uh, the uh, Ukrainian political structure that uh, now controls, or the Kiev regime, shall I say, will be uh, removed and replaced. I think that, uh, I mean, Russia doesn't want to own or control or occupy Ukraine by any measure. You know, I mean, they're going to, you know, the strategic goal, the overarching strategic goal of this Operation Z, which is a liberation, you know, and that's another thing about Western, you know, propaganda is they say, oh, it's an invasion. It's an invasion, you know, and these are the same clowns who've been saying for the last eight years that Russia invaded Ukraine, you know, and then all of a sudden, oh, now they just invaded it last week. Well, what about all the times that I mean, imagine the millions of times that word Russian invasion has been used over the last eight years in the context of, of Ukraine. But if the Ukrainian military ceases to exist, the Ukrainian government ceases to exist, which they will. I don't know how long it's gonna take, but Russia will not stop until it ends. Their strategic goal is to remove the, the military threat of Ukraine being a staging ground for NATO uh, military equipment, NATO military power. I mean, it doesn't, the thing about, well, if NATO or if Ukraine is in NATO, you know, it doesn't matter if it's signed on a piece of paper, you know, there's de facto and there's de jure. And if you have, as the United States did have until the Russians destroyed them, uh, sterilized them by extremely high temperatures, the United States had at least 12 biological weapons laboratories in Ukraine. And these were owned and controlled by the United States, no Ukrainian citizens worked there, could go in there, had any say whatsoever about what went on there. And, you know, and, and, and you talk about a serious threat, but, you know, a biological weapons lab or a dozen of them right on your border. And, you know, understand this is true. It's not some conspiracy theory or off the Reddit or something. The, these labs were collecting the DNA samples of uh, ethnic genetic Russian people. And you got to wonder exactly why they'd want to do that. But those labs no longer exist. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I, I really uh, appreciate what you're doing and, and the information you're giving us. And so as I understand from what you're saying is that this was a they were Russia was attacking the attacker. It was it was a defensive move on Russia's part. It's it's not an invasion. It's a liberation. You know, this is an invasion in exactly the same way that June 6, 1944 was an invasion of France. We're going in. We're removing Nazi oppression and a foreign occupation. Well, thank you very much. And I, I'd like to you know keep in touch and, and keep keep this up. And if you see or hear or think of anything that we should know, please let us know. 
and we'll get you back on the air as, as quickly as possible. I appreciate very much the opportunity to talk with you. Uh, we have uh, some mutual friends, including Jeff, Jeff Prince and another guy named Luther. And uh, so, you know, I've, I've admired your work for years. I think that you're a true example of what, you know, a real intelligent and uh, principled journalist can be. And uh, so I'm, I'm very glad to to be talking to you and working with you today. Well, thank you so much and all the best. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a warrior for the Prince of Peace. And I, you know, I'm also a close combat uh, black belt, you know, so I'm, I'm a fighter as well. And um, my, my great fear is that the way that the Western media keeps pumping this up and just as the people bought into the COVID war and all marched off to the orders, they're buying into this and they're going to march off again. And I'm, I'm just very concerned that this might become the beginning of World War III. The hatred, that the, the hatred that the American people have for all the Russian people is off the charts. And you're seeing it by the... By the um, companies moving out of Russia, by the Russian uh, concert masters being fired, one after another, the hatred for Russia is growing so strongly now that um, it, it is, I'm very concerned about the future, that we really need peace because they asked Albert, Albert Einstein, what kind of weapons will be used to fight the third world war? He said, I don't know, but they'll be using sticks and stones to fight the fourth. I know that, and that's true. And you know, it all where this goes, the Russians have a very limited objective here. And if it goes into Europe or global, it's only going to be because of the movements of the West, particularly the United States. Look, I, I again, you know, I write a magazine. I have the details of the agreement after Gorbachev when James Baker, and it's in the National Archives, so I'm not making it up. Of we would not move one inch further with NATO. Back then, there were 16 NATO countries. Today, there are 30. So I understand it. And, I, and uh, again, the American media, they don't tell about what happened you know, a few weeks, in, about the middle of January with uh, American fighter bombers or 14 miles off the Russian coasts, you know, and, and on and on. And the, and the massive naval maneuvers going on in the Black Sea with NATO. So they've been, they've been uh, you know, threatening uh, Russia. And, and then you hear from Biden. And again, all these guys, by the way, you know, Putin's a fighter. These guys aren't fighters. They couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag. And you have quotes by Biden saying that he promised us to, quote, inflict pain on Putin. Oh, that's brilliant. Inflict yeah. pain. So the more pain somebody inflicts with, on you, what do you do? The more angry you become, the more aggressive you become. And that is the mentality of, quote, inflicting pain. And what the European nations and the Americans and all these other ones should be doing, there should not be one armament going in there. This is a battle between the Ukraine people or well, not the Ukraine people, but the, the, the takeovers in either side 
Keep me out of it. It's not my business. And by the way, it was a guy by the name of George Washington. No foreign entanglements. His farewell address. And then, of course, there's Smedley Butler, who wrote the Amen book. Amen, Smedley Butler. Was a racket. Yeah. And that's all this is. It's a racket for the military-industrial complex. Thank you so sure. much. And my, my heart and soul are with you and the people. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Russell. Thanks, Gerald. And I just want to say that what I've been saying since 2015, as goes Don Bass, so goes the world. Okay. All right. See Peace. you on the front line, brother. Peace. All the best. All the best. Bye-bye.